All right. Well, welcome once again to Chase Oaks Church Online. Really, really glad that you joined us. And I know uh, some of you are different parts of the country, even different parts of the world, which is really cool in our online environments. Uh, but for many of you, of course, you're in our local area uh, where I'm broadcasting from right now in the North Dallas area. And before I jump into the sermon and finish out the series, When God, Life Gives You Lemons, I know a lot of people right now are curious because of uh, the governor's um, relaxing the max mandates and that kind of thing, saying, well, what does that mean for Chase Oaks? And so let me talk about that just a minute and then we'll get into the, the talk. Um, and the truth is, uh, for us as a church, we've never been under any state mandate because churches were exempt from that. So we've made our decisions uh, on our own in line with what health officials say and some other concerns. And so for at least a little while, um, you know, for the time being, we will continue doing it the way we're doing it at our physical location. So uh, we'll still ask people to wear masks and do the distancing thing. And uh, as long as uh, health officials and CDC and all that are, feel so strongly, that should happen for the safety of everybody. But also, as a church, one thing to know about Chase Oaks Church is that um, it's we're, we're a church that has a mission to reach people who don't go to church. And it's not just about us hanging out. It's also about those who aren't here yet. And as long as the primary psychology of the people we're called to reach, the 800,000 in our area who don't go to church, as long as they're not comfortable coming into large environments that don't have protocols, uh, we'll pay attention to that because we want to be hospitable to the people God's called us to reach because we're here not just for us, but for others and for that mission. And so that will last forever. And I'm really looking forward to going that one day. Uh, but for the time being, uh, we'll continue uh, doing what we're doing and uh, we'll see what happens from there. So it's just another example, though, even having to talk about masks and all this stuff of life giving us lemons. Right. Like in, in this um, pandemic time, there's been a lot of that. And uh, and so let's finish out our series, because when life gives you lemons, what do you do? You make lemonade, uh, which is why I have my lemonade right here from Chick-fil-A. This is my drink of choice. Um, if I have a drinking problem, it's drinking too much diet lemonade from Chick-fil-A. And I started it as a habit in the pandemic because early on in the pandemic, this is a little tip from Dr. Jones. I heard uh, from somebody who is actually at Yale, so that's reputable, right, that there's something about lemons and the way vitamin C and all that works with lemons uh, it strengthens your immune system against viruses in a unique way. That was enough to say, ah, then good. That's my don't get COVID strategy is diet lemonade from Chick-fil-A. And uh, now it's recently, I, I, it didn't take too long for that to be kind of debunked. But this is one of my life mottos is why let the truth get in the way of something delicious, you know, and uh, you can think about that when you're thinking about dessert later, you know, later today or something like that. And uh, so I'm still drinking my diet lemonade and, uh, you know, I haven't gotten covid. So that's all I can say. Um, so when life gives you lemons, uh, what do you do? You make diet lemonade or you make lemonade. And, and we've been in this series uh, called uh, in this book in the Old Testament called Ruth, this little book, that's such a such a cool little book. And and we've seen in, in different areas of life how people who are going through really difficult things made lemons out of lemonade. And today uh, we're talking about resources. Uh, we're talking about finances, like because sometimes in life you don't have enough. 
sometimes. Uh, and, and that's when we think of life giving us lemons, that's probably probably what we think about first, right, is. Well, at times I'm in financial stress or financial need or for my financial turmoil. I don't have enough. And and what do I do? Uh, how do I make lemons out of or lemonade out of those lemons? And we'll talk about that today. Um, but what we may not think about and the Bible actually talks a good bit about this is another way life gives us lemons uh, when and it relates to finances is when we have more than enough. Not just when we don't have enough, but when we have more than enough, when we have discretion, when we have extra, that that more than many, many other things can actually keep us from what God wants most for us. And that's why in the in, in Proverbs 30, a guy named Agur uh, prayed this two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me and give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord who needs him? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. From his perspective, either way, whether it's too little or too much would be a problem spiritually or be a challenge spiritually. And Jesus, when he came on the planet, he let his followers know, let us know that the bigger challenge is not poverty even though that's a big challenge spiritually, the big problem spiritually is having too much or more than enough. Uh, like one time he told his disciples, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. Picture that than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he wasn't talking about going to heaven after you die. He was talking when he when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was bringing it then like like he wanted to. He, he was inviting people to participate in the kingdom of heaven now as, as God is doing his kingdom work in this world. And, yeah, that has implications on it to eternity. But what he's basically saying is it's really hard for people who have more than enough money than they need to live a Jesus focused, kingdom focused, meaningful life. Hardly anybody can do that is what he was saying. Now, that's important for us to understand, because as we've said from time to time here, you and I, you may not feel wealthy, you may not feel rich. But from biblical perspective, from global perspective, most of the people listening to me right now, just by virtue of where we live, we're rich. If you have more than you need, if you have extra, if you have discretionary income from a biblical perspective, a global perspective, that's the category of rich. And Jesus said it is really hard to be us and be godly and to live into everything God wants for us, that most of us will miss it. And of course, he doesn't want that. So today we're going to look at this Old Testament book of Ruth to say, well, I don't want to miss what God has for me. I want to live in the fullness of what he wants for me. I want to live a joyful, significant, impactful life. And so how do we do that? No matter whether we're too little or on the more than enough category. And we're going to see that displayed in the book of Ruth today. Um, now, to catch us up in the story, you've got Ruth, who would be on the too little side, having too little side of when life gives us lemons financially, because she becomes a widow, which in that culture means she would just be out on the street. Like they, that's a long story. We've done it in previous weeks, talked about it. So she would be not enough category, along with her mother-in-law, also a widow, Naomi. They come over from Ruth's country back to Israel, where Naomi's from, and uh, in, into Israel at the time of harvest. And they meet a guy named Boaz, who's going to help us on the more than enough side. 
And right away in the story, when they come in, it's it's harvest time and which is hopeful, right? It's harvest. So you've got farmers and land and all that. They don't have food. They need food. It's harvest time. And Ruth decides, OK, well, I, I'm not just going to sit around. I'm going to go to one of the fields and just see if one of the farmers will do what God told him to do. We'll see these passages in the Old Testament in a minute. And that is that there was provision for the poor. If you didn't own land, that farmers were supposed to do. And most people blew that off. But they were just hoping she would find a field of somebody who was godly enough to allow that to happen. And it gets me to the first little principle, I guess, about when we're on the financial need side of things. And that is, what do you do? Well, Ruth shows us what to do. You trust God for as provider. You trust God, but not just as expect him to drop down provision from the sky. You trust God and take responsibility. You trust God and do what you can do. And for her gleaning in the fields as a poor person and hoping that they would do what God told him and let her do that. That wasn't her dream in life. That wasn't her ideal, but that's what was in front of her to do. So she trusts God and you do what you do. And same way when there's financial need or whatever, it may not be your dream job to, in front of you or your dream uh, scenario of, but it's what you do, what God puts in front of you to do and you trust him. And the cool thing is when you do that, you're not on your own as we're going to see in the story God is ultimately our provider, and we see in a cool way how God provides for Ruth and Naomi. Now, Naomi, Ruth 2.1, had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing. So he's more than enough category, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, but that turned out to be a really good thing, right? As if you've been in this series, because she's in, she's going to marry Boaz. It's going to be a whole big thing. But Boaz was the kind of person who's going to be responsible enough, godly enough to not blow off what the Bible says about caring for the poor at a time of harvest. And she's going to allow that. He's going to allow that to happen. But this was the time of the judges, we're told, the time where the Bible says everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't give a flip about what God said. So it'd be really rare to find somebody like Boaz. But she does. Why? Because God is involved and God is a provider and God's helping her. The little phrase is so cool in the Hebrew. Hebrew is the original language of the Old Testament. It says, as it turned out, she found herself working. Literally in the Hebrew, this is the way you translate it. Her happening just so happened to happen in Boaz's field. And, and that was their way in, in their culture, in that language. Uh, everybody would have been like, okay, so this isn't coincidental, right? God is up to something. God is behind this. Her happening just so happened to happen in Boaz's field. And that should encourage you. If you're struggling right now, whether it's financially or really any struggle, you need to know that God sees you. You are not on your own. God is working on your behalf because he loves you. He's your father. He's providing for you. He's caring for you. Yes, we have responsibility to trust him and to do whatever's in front of us to do and to, and to take steps that we can take. But he we're not on our own and he sees you and he knows you and he's committed to you. And you can be encouraged by that. Well, she winds up in Boaz's field. 
And Boaz is going to represent the other side of this, the person who has more than enough, that side of lemons. And he was a guy who was godly enough, as we've talked about, who was not going to blow off what God said. But I want us to understand what God said. Uh, and we're going to look at some Old Testament stuff some in the law of the Old Testament. It's not this is not a history lesson, even though it, it is a history lesson. But it's more important to that. Because this is what God said to landowners who were the haves in a world of have-nots. And it's really important for you and I to understand the heart of God in this because those of us who live in America are the haves in a world of have-nots. And when you're a have in a world of have-nots, there's a lot of responsibility and opportunity. And we need to understand the heart of God. Like, how do I live in a world like this? Well, this is what God told the landowners to do in the Old Testament. And we get a lot of about his heart. So in Leviticus, they were told to do this. When you reap the harvest of your land, this was harvest time that she comes uh, in, in, you know, that Ruth comes in. Do not reap to the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them the corners of the field for the poor and the alien, not the little green men, but immigrants. I am the Lord, your God, which I love how he inserts that because this is something that nobody would want to do. They're literally leaving money in the field is the way or not literally, but figuratively leaving money in the field. They've got to leave the corners of their field for the poor, which means they're leaving money behind. And God says, yeah, well, I'm I'm your, I'm the Lord, your God. So listen, that's not all, though. Deuteronomy told him when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless and the widow so that the Lord, your God will bless you and all the work of your hands. Notice that's conditional. God's blessing determined in part by how they deal with the poor. When you beat the olives from the trees, do not go back over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless and the widow. When you harvest your grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Do you get a sense that God cares about the alien, the fatherless, and the widow? Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That's why I command you to do this. Meaning, look, you remember when I cared for you when you were in poverty, when you were in desperate need? That's what I want you to do for the poor. Now, that, those, that, those two things was a lot. I mean, you're basically leaving a bunch of your income out there for the poor. But that wasn't all. Every three years, there was also an additional provision for the poor. It was an extra tithe. Now, a tithe means 10%. Maybe you've been around churches and they talk about tithing and all that. Well, tithe, literally, it's an Old Testament term, means 10%. So everybody, every year, had to give, uh, I mean, shouldn't say have to give, but they had the opportunity to give. It was prescribed in the law, 10% to the temple, 10% to the work of the temple and to the priests and all of that. So every year you had that. But every three years, there was an additional tithe for those who were landowners. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, those were like the pastors, priests, and the aliens, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied. And so that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands. Again, God is going to bless you and determined in part by what you do for the alien, fatherless and the widow. But this was an extra tithe, 10 percent of your income off the top. Now, think about that. If you put all this together, what we just just the three provisions, there's actually a couple more provisions on top of that. But if you just we're just going to stop here. If you did that every year, that's 30 percent of your income 
for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. 30% off the top. That's not including taxes and everything else that you'd have to do. 30% even for the alien or for the Levites and the temple work and all that. And you can see why a lot of people blew it off in thinking I'm, they were winning by not being generous. They were winning by blowing off what God said about the poor or about the temple and about the work of God and all that. They thought they were winning. But in fact, what God says is, no, that's no way to win. Because my blessing, I'll, I'll pour out more than enough blessing if you just obey. But that took a big step of faith. And Boaz was a person who took that step, who took that responsibility. And we see how he's blessed by God in all kinds of ways. But the biggest blessing he got because he obeyed and he allowed the poor like Ruth and others to come. He didn't shoo them off the field like a lot of people would have done. Get away from my grain. Get away from my field. He didn't do that. And because of that, the greatest blessing of his life came into his life. And that's Ruth, who he marries and they raise a family. In fact, that leads me to a joke because things are so serious right now. You know, we need a joke, you know, don't we? And so here's my little joke. What kind of man was Boaz before he met Ruth? Ruthless. Yeah. Now, I know you're groaning uh, wherever you are. Um, But as you're groaning, think about it. This is absolutely true. If he hadn't obeyed God, he would have remained ruthless. He never, I mean, if he had disobeyed God, he never would have met her. He never would have even known about her. He would, and this was the greatest blessing of his life was Ruth and the family and and even their legacy. Because they have this family that, uh, that ends up producing their great grandson was a guy named David who becomes the king of Israel, King David. And from David's line, you all the way to Jesus. So their legacy was the savior of the world. Jesus, who God in human flesh, who came into the world. That's not bad, but they would have never been part of that. He would have never been part of that. Had he not done what God asked him to do with his extra, with what God had given him. And he would have never even known about it. And there's a haunting little question that comes to me from that. And that is this. What blessings am I giving up that I don't even know about? Meaning when I hold on to what God's given me, instead of being a conduit of blessing, I I hold on to it. And God's like, well, you got, you know, okay, good. Enjoy that. But when I give it right, his blessing, like he he blesses when people are generous and, and all that in all kinds of ways. And I have no idea what I've missed by being too closed, closed handed rather than open handed. And I think that's true for all of us because God's saying God gives us resources and he just watches what we do and he responds based on our generosity. And like my mentor, Miss Helen, said, and I've talked about over the years, you'll never outgive God. You'll never be more generous than he is. And that's true. But that's always the choice that you and I have. If you think about a river flowing through of, of, of resources that God gives us, you and I choose whether we're going to be a dam or a conduit. And we can sort of dam up those resources and swim in them and enjoy them and all that. Or we can let them flow out to others, to the poor, to God's work in the world and all that. That's always that, that's always our choice. And, and and there's always this tension, right? Well, how much do I how much do I consume and how much do I give? And 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 that that tension is real and that tension is there. And we all get to decide. 
And there's nothing wrong with enjoying what God's given us. The Bible tells us to. There's nothing wrong with enjoying nice things and going to nice places and all that kind of stuff and enjoying life. In fact, we're told to do it. It's one of the reasons that God allows us to have resources. But the Bible also tells us to be generous and ready to share on every occasion. And so we've got this tension. Well, how much do I, how much am I a conduit of blessing? How much do I damn up God's blessing? How much do I consume? How much do I give? And as we're thinking about that, I just want to say a word to you who are Chase Oakers through this pandemic. Because for those of you who've participated financially, it's been an amazing season. As hard as this pandemic has been, I just want to say way to go for your generosity in a pandemic. Because in a time of crisis, it's easiest to be closed handed, right? I need it. This is mine. What if I need it? And when God says, no, this is the best time to be generous and to be open handed. And trust me, just I'll provide for you. You just give. Seek first my kingdom. I'll let all these other things. I'll, 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 I'll give them to you. Trust. trust. Well, you've done that. And it's enabled us to, I mean, when you look at this, you, I mean, when I say enabled us, it's just, the church is just you and me, you know, to be able to do all the things we did through this pandemic. I mean, with uh, providing childcare for anybody who wanted it, who was an essential worker um, in, in the Dallas area uh, in partnership with the YMCA and all the stuff that we did with hospitals and with food security and with all this, you know, you, you can look back and see all that. So it's just been amazing. But really what I'm thinking about, what I want to give you an update on is our local good initiative and our local good center. Because we believe God put something in front of us last fall, which is crazy because uh, looking back, I mean, I look back at it now and thinking that was crazy. And what I mean is, in addition to our regular budget, which in a pandemic is hard enough to just, you know, to keep up with our regular budget. Um, God put in front of us the opportunity for here for good, which was an eight million dollar initiative to not only start a couple of campuses, but to do these huge initiatives for the greatest needs in our community through the local good center and and to raise an additional eight million dollars. And I look at that now thinking that was crazy. Like, what, were, what were we thinking? If I told another pastor that would be like, you did what? But that's what God put in front of us. And you know what happened? You gave it. I mean, we had more we, we had more than eight million dollars pledged for that because of your generosity. And I just want to give you a, a quick update of what that's what that's enabling and what's happening. So um, I can't announce where quite yet, but we're about to move. We're, we're about to ink the deal, I think, for the local good center. Our team is like, what are you, why are you saying that? It's not inked yet. Don't do that. People are going to wonder. But it's your deal. So um, it looks like that's going to happen. Please. But that'll quadruple the size of our family center, which we're renaming local good center. It houses. The, all these initiatives, and I don't have time to go through all of them, so go on the website, chaseoaks.org slash local good, and you'll see all these incredible things that we're in, in, able to do, and, uh, and I'll let you know how you can be involved in it. But I just want to share with you one new initiative that your generosity is enabling, and this is just so stinking cool. So um, because of some other initiatives that we've done coming alongside people with uh, job training and life skills training and mentoring, the county of Dallas found out what we were doing, Dallas County, and one of their big concerns is those aging out of foster care. And when they see these young adults aging out of foster care, uh, they're just not doing well, by and large. In fact, here's some statistics. Uh, just a few years after they age out of foster care, 40 percent are homeless, 40 percent receiving public assistance or incarcerated, 40 percent experiencing drug or alcohol abuse. 
46% had not finished high school, 51% unemployed, 84, 84% became parents and not ideal uh, ways to do that. And they're like, man, that's, that's where it's at. And, and they said, man, we can't fix that. But we believe you can as a church. And we've seen, we've seen your track record. We've, so would you, would you take this on? Would you come alongside those who age out of foster care in Dallas and, and give them some guidance, give them some training, give them some mentors who can be a steady person in their life? Because the truth is, there's a lot available to them. There's vocational training, college for free. There's all kinds of things that are available to them. But if somebody's not helping them uh, navigate all that, like we do, if you if you have kids and they're going to college, you know how much work that is. If if nobody's doing that for them, they'll just they'll just spiral down. They'll never they'll they'll become those statistics. And they said, would you do that? And of course, we said yes to that. And so you can learn about that. You can read more about that. There's opportunities for you to be that stable person in somebody's life. And with all these initiatives or opportunities, not just to know about them, the only way they'll happen is if you and I volunteer, if you and I engage as we continue to only give financially, but to give of our time. And on uh, St. Patrick's Day, Wednesday, March 17th, online, um, and you can look at it's uh, chaseoaks.org slash local good center. Um, you'll get you can get the info for a Zoom info session. And so St. Patrick's Day, wear green, get on that Zoom call and check out what's happening and how you can be involved because God has a way for you to be involved. That's just one initiative. There's multiple initiatives and they're all uh, really crazy cool. And they're going to impact a lot. Of, they already are, but they're going to impact a lot of people's lives. And it's because of you. And we get to be part of it. Because God, you know, gives us resources and he has this huge vision of what he wants to do. And he resources his vision through you and me, giving us the opportunity to be part of it. But we always get to choose, right? How much do we hold on to and how much do we let go of? And how do we live in that tension? Well, let's talk about that a little bit because we're about to pray and go to God with this. Because for some of you, be like, hey, I'm on the side of life giving lemons. Like I have financial need right now. And that happens and that's hard. And what do you do? Well, you trust God. Um, You do what you can do. And know that you're not on your own. Well, not only are you not on your own, one of the things you can do um, is let us know about that as a church. Because we have something called the Love Fund. And the Love Fund provides uh, short-term help uh, for to kind of get over a hump, to be able to... And, and the way that's funded, because all of us at any given time can w- find ourselves in financial need. And just like it says in the New Testament, uh, whenever we find ourselves with extra, that get that's our cue to say, okay, who needs... Who, who doesn't have enough? Because that can always flip flop. In fact, the love fund, you can, anybody can contribute to the love fund. Um, and you can see that when you give. It's, that's one of the options is the love fund, which is a benevolence fund. But that's, uh, primarily the people who give to that are the people who at one time or another were helped by that and now are at a different place where they have more than enough. And they're like, man, I was helped and now I'm doing that. So it's a really cool thing. So that's there. Just let us know about that and we can do, uh, what we can do. For those of us who say, well, OK, I'm in the extra category. I, I, I'm not Warren Buffett, but I have, you know, more than enough. I do have discretionary income. Well, you know, what about, you know, well, let's go to God with that. And, and I think now is a better time than any other time, at least in my lifetime, because as we've gone to reevaluate that, because as we've gone through covid, um, it's changed spending patterns. Like I was talking to a lady who's a very generous person. 
But he was like, man, I, one thing I realize is that my credit card bills are, are cut in half. Like I'm spending half the money I used to spend before the pandemic when I was going out and shopping and doing all this stuff. And she said, honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know where that money was going. It was just going like I was just spending. My, I don't even know. I don't have anything to show for any of that. And she said, and it's kind of gross, really looking back. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but it's just like, who cares? Uh, versus the opportunities that she's had from a generosity standpoint in the pandemic. And so she's just been an interesting conversation to say, man, it just I'm evaluating. I mean, do I really want to go back to that? I don't think so, because there's nothing there. You know, I, I have an opportunity to, to be way more meaningful than that. And I think all of us do um, as we just think about, OK, God, we're about to kind of push the reset button here as things start getting a little more, a little bit back to normal. And this is a great opportunity to say, how about this area of my life? And so let's go to God with that because he wants what's best for us. And like Jesus said, this it's really hard for people with extra to live a kingdom driven life, to live a meaningful, joyful, whatever. life. But God wants that for us. And so let's go to him and just say, OK, God, that's what I want to and, and help me to get this part of life right. So let's bow our heads together as we pray. And I'm going to just guide us in prayer because prayer is just talking to our father, talking to God. And he loves you. He wants what's best for you. And some of you right now are in financial need. And, and I invite you just to say, God, I need I need help and I need resources and I I need wisdom. I need to know what my responsibility is and and what you want me to do. And I need to know that you're not I'm not alone. Like Ruth, I, I need to know that you're working behind the scenes on my behalf and that you're my provider. And would you would you help me trust you and to take responsibility that I need to take too? And for those of us who have extra, who have enough or maybe more than enough to survive. It's really our opportunity to just acknowledge something like this. God, everything I have is yours. It's not mine. And I want to honor you with it. And I know you give it to me to in part to enjoy and in part to be generous with and make a difference with. And you give me choices. And so God help me choose well. And and I pray that you just help this part of life not keep me from what you want, but propel me to what you want for me. Joy and meaning and significance and the life of impact. Help me be one of those people who squeeze through the eye of the needle. And live a kingdom driven life. Father, thank you that you always enable obedience. And that you are so generous that we could never outgive you. We can never outgenerous you. Thank you for all the blessings in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.